Hi everybody, I'm Heather and you're listening to Simply Healed with Heather Leonard. Thanks for joining. Today's show is Stop Seeing Yourself Sick and I mean literally seeing yourself into sickness. Today we're going to unpack so much great stuff so I want to get right into it. So here we go. What does cancer and health and grief, what do they all have to do with one another and how does this tie together? I'm sure you're wondering. That's a big part of what I want to talk about because mind, body, and spirit sounds woo-woo. I know it does. I've I spent the first two decades of my career as a physical therapist explaining this to patients over and over and over because I think as a society, we've been taught to just deal with the physical and anything else that's not that just sounds woo-woo. It sounds crazy. It sounds out there. And the fact of the matter is we are 99.99999% energy. Guess what that leaves? 0.00001% physical substance. So this is what's crazy. I'd be doing a disservice to ignore energy, right? And just talk about the physical changes that need to happen when you're trying to battle a major disease like cancer or any other major life-changing disease or sickness. Because as much as we want to believe that just what we're touching and our senses can take in, what we see, what we smell, all that, it's bigger than that. It just is. I mean, I'm somebody who, honestly, when I was first given this information, I was probably the the toughest customer because for me, it was all about the physics. Explain it to me scientifically and I'm on board. If you can't and it's just woo-woo out there energy, forget it. I'm not there. (laughs) I I couldn't even hear it. So now that I'm really starting to understand the science to explain this, it makes sense to me. And then when I put it in action and I see it making changes, that's the magic. So That's what I want to share with you because, listen, we're constantly turning over new cells. So why not have those cells be healthy, functioning, good cells? That's what it's all about. And you know what? I have a favorite quote from Anais Nin that I have said my whole career. And that is, we do not see things as they are. We see things as we are. I might have just paraphrased that a bit, but basically... The idea of that is perspective is everything, right? So I just want to tell you a little story because, you know, sometimes looking through the rose-colored glasses, it changes your whole world. It's not a bad thing. So just to to give you a little backstory because I like giving stories and examples for things. Um, So years back now, there was this couple that we were very good friends with, my husband and I. And um, I loved when we had to go to business events and I would bump into this person because it just made it easier. I mean, not that I just, I'm not a big like schmooze the room type. I, I like to have the good high energy people around me that like, you know, you could just have a conversation with and talk forever, but I wasn't up for just, um, working a room, so to speak, let's say. So before we got to this event, I said to my husband, so who's going to be there tonight that I know, you know, people that I love and, and I'll be excited about you know, I don't really know who you're going to know tonight other than, you know, this person and this person is like one other couple that I like. And I know that, um, you know, the position that he held, he was going to have to talk 
talk to the whole room and you know it, it wasn't really going to be somebody that was going to be able to kind of hang with me for the night so I was thinking to myself all right you know I was a little let down I like it when certain people would be there and or a big group and and I had some comfort people that I really loved so anyway walk in the door and who do I see the first people I see is this couple that I had been hoping were going to be there but my husband had said no they're not coming tonight so the words that came out of my mouth were instantly, oh my gosh, what are you guys doing here? Because to me, I was like, oh yes, like the win, right? I have somebody now for the night that I can talk to and feel comfortable with and have conversations about real life stuff. And so I was over the moon. So what happened next was mind blowing. So the night was a little odd. It didn't quite feel like um, the wife was really like in her normal frame of mind with me. Uh, weeks later, I find out through mutual friends of friends, actually, it was like kind of down a chain, but that they were so upset with us because I, they couldn't believe that I had said, what are you doing here? Now, perspective is everything, right? So my perspective is I said that comment with the best of intentions, like I am so happy you're here. What was received and what was heard was I wasn't expecting you to be invited to something like this. Like, what are you guys doing here? So even though that wasn't the inflection in my voice, that was what was heard. But why was that heard? So I spent so much time thinking on this because it, I hang on to things like that. Those things stay with me, you know. Um, and it, I truly believe it's because if you're coming from a place of an insecurity around something or like maybe for all I know, their conversation on the way over was like um, being unsure as to why they hadn't been invited in the first place. I mean, honestly, the only reason I think we had been invited was I think my husband was like on the board or something. So here, this is why we were already attending this thing. But for all I know, they were surprised that we had an invitation to this before they did and or something. You know, you don't know. You don't know what their point of view is. But it's just so interesting that a comment could be heard so differently from two different people, like it, the intention versus how it was received. So just food for thought a little bit about how we see the world as we are. So what I want more than anything for you is for you to start seeing yourself healthy, you know, not seeing yourself as sick. And really through that, you can change a lot. So this is why I love a podcast over the written word, quite honestly, because I'm sarcastic <laughs> and you can't always read that and it is hard to know when somebody's truly, you know, joking around. A lot of us have heard that phrase, thoughts become things, which sounds again like a woo-woo statement, but let's really talk about what that, what does that mean? Thoughts become things because I think this is a big part of it. I mean, it's not all of it, but in our body, there's physical reactions to your thoughts. So if you're gonna think about the most delicious pizza that you've had in months, your mouth might start to water, right? You might start to actually physically experience like wanting that pizza. So if you all of a sudden think about um, this person that you've had romantic feelings for and all of a sudden your heart starts to race a little bit, you're getting physical reactions to actual thoughts your body is now responding to what's just in your mind. Chemicals are being released, hormones. Cortisol is a stress hormone. So what does that mean? It means 
back in caveman days, it was necessary. You know, that's survival right there. You needed that hormone. And now as time has progressed, we don't need it so much, at least not in the part of the country that I'm living in. Certainly in some parts of the world right now, that hormone is saving lives, I'm sure. But it's taking lives as well, because what's happening is we're living in this like elevated state of thinking everything is like life or death. It's just not. And so I would give you this as sort of like a homework assignment almost, but to really just start thinking about how important is this thing that has my heart racing right now? So, you know, I sit in traffic sometimes and, you know, where there's that merging lane. <laughs> it's always these two lanes that merge into one. I get so stressed out when the lane that is meant to merge doesn't merge and they expect me to stop and let them in or I don't know why. That's just my own, like the sign clearly states which, which lane is ending and has to sort of give to the other. And it's one of my little pet peeves. But I'm sure we all have them, those things that like, you know, it's coming up and your heart's going to just start racing and you're going to get frustrated. And why? To what end? I mean, if you really, truly think about that, you are now causing sickness within your own body. Cortisol. What do we want to just feed cancer cells? Like, no, like calm down a little bit and just look inside and really say, is this response equal to what's happening right now? Does it really add up? You know, so um, typically cortisol should be getting signs to sort of shut off when it's no longer needed. But what's happening now is it's staying elevated. And when it stays elevated, as I said before, it's like feeding cancer. And that's not what we want. And it's not just about cancer. It's it's a lot of different diseases, especially heart conditions. And um, there's so much. I actually did a whole blog on it if you're interested in, in more of that type of science um, and, and the details of symptoms and whatnot. It's a great place to look. But um, anyway, it's not about checking out the blog. I just really want you to understand that there's so much response to environment that is just, it doesn't, it doesn't match the response that's needed. And then the consequence is dire. So look at your day. Just take notice for a whole day as you move through different things. I know another time of day for me, just I don't know if this is relevant to any of you out there, but my kids, when they get home from school, first off, their energy is at a high. And I've been now all day working alone. I'm working from home in a quiet environment where things are calm. And so the second they enter the car, wow, it's like so much. They have so much to say, everything they're worried about that they want you to know about, everything that um, you know is coming up for the night, anything they want to do, and it's just, it's all coming at once, and both of them are talking at the same time, they're kind of bickering amongst themselves, and loud, and it's intense, and immediately I can almost just feel my whole body shift and change. And it's very easy for me in those moments to snap with anger when things start to go kind of sideways, like, oh no, I left my jacket in school, I gotta turn around, and all these things, and it's like going up and up and up and up. And then before you know it, it doesn't take much for me to just kind of, all right, I'm, I'm angry, this isn't, you know, I snap. And I've now figured out the triggers and knowing it's coming, start to sort of get myself adjusted and ready and and so I can deal with it. But you've got to first identify when these things happen throughout your day. So just start taking notice as you're going through what times a day. It could be a very common time of day. And that's another really common thing is to have certain times a day that your body gets used to having that cortisol feed. Because guess what? 
cortisol more addicting than drugs and alcohol. That's wild, right? So your body gets addicted to this stress hormone and feeling anxious and all of this stuff. So it keeps trying to feed it to you. And so the first step is really to acknowledge and figure out when and where that falls apart and when that starts to happen. So then you can start to tease out, is this a proper response? Or even just buffer it somehow, know it's coming. I mean, sometimes in my car now, on my car ride to go get them, instead of listening to my um, quiet, soft music or whatever, I put on something a little more upbeat, loud, or a podcast or something that's a little more like talk loud, um, just to get me kind of almost used to it and get me expecting what's to come and it not being such an abrupt change from the still and the quiet to the chaos. So there are strategies to sort of add in once you identify them, but you first have to figure out when is your body responding like this? When is it having that sort of reaction to stimuluses that probably aren't really needing a fight or flight response? Okay, y'all, I think this is a perfect time to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. In the second half, I'm going to tell you why I always say, don't tell me I'm terminal, and why I hate the word terminal so much. It has big impacts, and I'll tell you why when I get back, so don't go anywhere. So if you haven't had the chance to check out my website yet, it's https colon slash slash canyoucurecancer.com and you is spelt right out, Y-O-U. The reason I mention it is because I want you guys to go there and benefit from everything that I'm putting out into the world. That's where I give away all my great free stuff. Um, There's the blogs, which gives a lot of information. Um, And then the best part is if you subscribe, it's a free subscription. So it's basically just signing up to follow along. I send out an occasional, not even very often. I wish I did it more often, but um, just reminders when I post new things or have new things to offer. It gives you a free checklist to bring to your doctor to ask questions and to be prepared for that visit. And it's a lot of things that we didn't think of ahead of time and tips in there that I've had a lot of people tell me they got a lot of benefit from. Uh, If you sign up on the grief half of my blog, then you would get a handbook, which is a handbook everyone should have. For whatever reason, it doesn't exist, but it really should. It's all of the stuff after losing a spouse, but also a parent or anybody where you have to be the one in charge of closing accounts or planning a funeral, all of those things. It's just a checklist of things to help you not forget anything important. I want you to have that. So by signing up, you get it for free. That's it. I just wanted to give you a little heads up. I'm there. If you want any one-on-one grief coaching with me or are interested in any of the other products that I'm affiliate for that I really stand behind and that helped us or that I talk about in my blog, there's a products area. There's also the connection to the podcast in there. So just go to the website and check it out and see what you can find. All right. Thanks guys. Now back to the show. All right. Welcome back. So other than God, or whatever it is that resonates with you, higher power, source, universal connection, you fill in the blank. For me, and you'll learn more about this if you follow my story, it will always be God. There's a reason for that. If you follow along on this podcast, I'm sure you'll hear more on it. But anyway, so as I was saying, other than God, no one gets to put an expiration date on your life, period. Funny enough, this thing called prognosis keeps giving us permission to think that we can tell people how long they have left. I think you need to hear the countless stories of stage four terminal cancers that were cured, the unsavable that have been saved, because I thought that was an exception reserved for like a lucky few, but it's not. 
And I'm going to have guests on this podcast that have conquered their terminal diagnosis just so you can hear it for yourself straight from those who've lived it. And let's just go through the definition, by the way. By definition, prognosis means the likely course or outcome of a disease or ailment. I mean, heck, we were told countless times that my husband, Barry, who literally held the door open for his physicians, <laughs> was expected to be in a wheelchair discussing hospice. Um, and this went on for an entire year and a half with a diagnosis that made people's jaws drop. When he walked in the door, they were absolutely blown away. And it, we had the most wonderful group of practitioners. Let me just say this. No one ever used the word terminal with us. No one ever told us that, you know, this wasn't something that they felt like could be cured. Nobody really discussed prognosis at all. It didn't come up. We had one doctor who was very offended by that fact and almost implied that our doctors were so terrible that they hadn't like prepared us. And let me tell you this, because this kind of just, I still get a chuckle about it, but at the same time, it's like obnoxious. In my husband's chart, it literally stated that they were unsure if his wife fully grasped the severity of what was happening or something to that effect. It was like, they literally felt the need to put in there that they were unsure whether or not I really realized how bad it was because I was so hopeful, so positive. And I mean, what else was the alternative? That's one thing is just mind blowing to me. I feel like they had to, because it just did not connect with them, I guess. They just had to somehow put it in like, maybe I had some mental, you know, challenge with acceptance or something, you know, it just somehow it packaged it up a little more neatly that I was just not aware of the severity of things. But anyway, that's a little side note. But yeah, they were um, very upset that we hadn't heard that terminology yet or that no one had really put us in our place. Um, This is when we were consulting with a new doctor to see if radiation was something that might have an impact. Um, clearly at that point, <laughs> he believed no, there was nothing else that he could do, nothing else that could help, and that we were just absolutely obscene for even wasting his time with the visit. And um, just for any doctors out there that might be listening, I will say um, that lack of compassion is rough. <laughs> um, there's a lot of reasons why that was rough, but we were separated because of COVID. I wasn't allowed in the visit. He was in the hospital by himself. I was at home well, I wouldn't say by myself. I was with two young children, uh, seven and 10 year old boys, um, on a telephone when he was meeting with both of us. Um, and so we couldn't even embrace each other. We couldn't even hold each other's hand. There was just, it was so cold. And then his reaction was staggering. Um, you know, of course there's just, there's just a gentler way to talk to people in life and to sort of ground them and saying, there's nothing in my toolbox that I can do to help you. Um, You know, I commend how far you've come or whatever, but there's just other ways to be more delicate than like, I can't believe I'm even here right now. This is ridiculous. And and it was just, it was a lot. That was a tough day for us. Uh, but, But back to what I was trying to get at with my husband was he was just, he would practically skate into the room and it really left jaws just wide open. I, they, none of them understood what was happening and we knew what we were doing. We knew that we had shifted his lifestyle. We had made diet changes. We had added every supplement, added every tea that we could read about from, you know, here to the other side of the world. We had, um, really worked on spiritual and emotional health. We had, um, 
added exercise every day. We had changed our water to be cleaner. We had stopped using, um, you know, 5G close to things. There was so many things that we had really adjusted. And it was not a surprise to me that he was still doing so well. Uh, I still at that point held the belief and right up until probably the last month that there was hope that there was a chance that what we had in our toolbox was going to be enough to tackle this major disease that I'm sure, and I even knew at this time, people would coin terminal. We didn't. <laughs> we didn't think it was terminal um, because we had faith. And when you really have faith, that is different than hope. And I, I probably will do a whole podcast episode on this point, but I feel like hope implies that you're not confident in that next, next step. Sorry. Uh, faith implies I already know the next step, so I'm good. <laughs> you know what I mean? So to me, a lot of people say, oh, keep, the, keep your hope up. Keep your hopes up. Stay hopeful. I love how much hope you have. But hope to me, again, it's just it's like a big giant question mark. It's like, I'm hopeful. I'm hoping it's going to happen. <laughs> and when I hear faith, it's like, I have faith. I have confidence. I know this. So that's really, we had faith. And I also want to say, I get this question a bunch about where I fall as a practitioner. Um, if I'm more of a natural approach to cancer treatment category, or if I stick more with traditional Western outlook, I don't, I definitely never say to ignore your doctors with reckless abandon. Just don't do that. I find myself somewhere in the middle of Eastern and Western medicine, but everybody's opinion is valid in this game because we're all just trying so hard for the same end goal. I love Chinese medicine. I think when people talk about Eastern Chinese medicine, they get confused and suck down this sort of wormhole of thinking yoga, acupuncture, etc. you know, because it's like more of the mainstream surface understanding of some of the practices. Um, but it's really so surface. And if you believe in things like yin and yang or like that duality concept, um, if you believe in preventative medicine grounded in an approach of homeostasis or balance of the body, um, it's not the, oh yeah, that energy woo stuff that, you know, I've been hearing that for years, as I said, in my practice of physical therapy. Um, it's not that at all. I started as someone who turned her nose up a bit at anything that I couldn't like just immediately see, touch, understand. So what did I do? <laughs> because I saw it working. I went and I found the books. I found the science. I found the research to back up what I was seeing. And it's all there. It's always been there. You know, there's the law of thermodynamics, um, which is similar to the law of conservation of energy, that energy can't be created or destroyed. Um, I'll give an example of that. So um, when I was treating patients, I did a lot of manual therapy. And the manual therapy techniques would basically take tension out of tissue, um, creating slack. And so if you take tension, which is a form of energy, and then you're going to put slack into it, that energy has to go somewhere. It can't just poof, disappear, right? Energy always exists in one form or another. So what would happen is that tension would transfer into heat and the heat would come out of the body. So people would always be like, oh my gosh, your hands are so warm. <laughs> no, my hands are ice cold. That much I know for a fact. What's warm is the tissue because 
it's responding in the way we want and that tension is coming out. So they would experience it in that way and I would have to sort of explain it um, in terms of science so they could say, hey, she's not doing this laying on of the hands and woo woo. There's actually something happening here and the tissue is letting go of tension, which is awesome. So the reason I bring this up, I just so geek out on all of the physics and the science behind all of this. So when we go back to again, how much of our bodies are made up of energy and you think of it this way, even if the cancer in your body has spread, does this mean game over, terminal, done? It doesn't, it means your energy is in the toilet. So much of us is energy. So that part we can change, right? We can change that. There's something called neuroplasticity. So basically it's like saying our brains are really cool. They have the ability to change, to grow, to make new connections and it's such a gift because that means we can change, right? So our thoughts can change. And that means we can change because thoughts become things. I know I go back to this a lot, but if your thoughts change things, remember we're talking about all those physical reactions that happen in response to the thoughts and neuroplasticity gives us this gift of being able to change the way we think. And that means we can change. I know I keep talking about these cells that can be better and healthier, it's in our control. I know you're thinking it, so I'm just going to answer the question, why then did my husband pass away? If it's so much in our control, why didn't my theories, I'll put in air quotes so that you can't see, well, why didn't they work on him? And it's because I don't think it can always work. That's, that's the fact of the matter. It can't always work because we're not all capable of really changing mindset in the way that's required, you know, um, he wanted to change. He said the words even that he was different and, and accepting of what was to happen. And all, all the things he said were like, it sounded as though his mind shift had happened to the degree it needed to, but I don't think it ever totally did. And I know I've talked in the last episode, if you caught it about the cortisol, the underlying, um, stress that my husband faced, but there's different things for everybody. Everything has to come together. So it's kind of like my husband would ask me sometimes, like, you really think that this is a way anybody can sustain life? And I was like, no, I don't. I don't think anybody can live that purely all the time. But when you're fighting a, here again, go the air quotes, a terminal <laughs> disease or, um, you know, an autoimmune disorder or anything that's so massive and you don't change everything, I don't think you can get the end results you want. I think you have to change your diet. Um, I think you have to pay attention to supplements. I think you have to look at things like molds and funguses and yeasts and, and parasites. And I think you need to look at um, everything. I mean, the lymphatic flow, the, there's so many components and parts. And, you know, we really did adjust most all of those things, but underlying stress and that little voice in his head that was saying, I buy this, but maybe it's not all right. Maybe she's got it a little wrong. Maybe it's not gonna work for me or it won't work for my case. It's that voice that can limit and hinder. So I think that there will be some people that just can't get to the place of letting it go and manifesting in and bringing in and law of attraction and all the good stuff that you really need. There's always that like little voice of resistance and that tiny little voice can play such a big impact when you're trying to 
make such a massive shift as getting cancerous cells to stop making more cancerous cells in reverse direction. I mean, that's so major. So I think there's all types of things that need to come together, all be on the same page to really get, you know, the end result that you're looking for. I mean, let's face it, mindset is a really strongly ingrained thing. And you need to let go of your resistance to step into that new you. Um, you know, music and cancer wards is a real thing that they use and why? Because it heals, it calms, and it's proven. They've actually done research to show that watching cute animal reels on social media, anything like that, that it can create positive changes in your mood. Well, why? <laughs> I'm, going to go, I'm going to go back to hormones. <laughs> hormones are released, the good kind, the dopamine. And, you know, I don't want to get too much into a hormone tale here because it's complex. But the good hormones, the ones you need, the feel-good ones. Um, and so anything that gets that for you. What I always do, <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of little tricks of the trade that I do to just get my energy back on point. But I keep something in my back pocket, not literally, but um, a little thought that at any given point I can pull out and it will just bring a total energy shift to me. So I have this one memory of my husband being so hilarious. We didn't even know he was home and the boys and I were sitting at the dinner table and he came out of like some doorway doing this funny hop and, and it was just... He, he was making fun of something we'd seen on TV or I don't even remember what it was, but it was so hilarious in that moment that the three of us almost peed our pants laughing so hard. So it was that, I can picture that memory at any given point. You can probably hear it in my voice. I just can't, I have a smile from ear to ear right now because I can just picture him doing it like I was right back there. It brings happiness to my heart. It like calms my soul. It can pull me out of almost any dark place and you need to have something like that in your back pocket. Whatever it is that you can call on at any given time, you just think of that memory and boom, you're like back there, you're happy. It, it almost, you can't fight that urge of the smile coming across your face. I think everybody has one, but you might have to think pretty hard because it's, we're living in like a state of constant stress. So again, dig deep, think back to some of those hilarious memories that really just brought so much laughter to your life and keep it in your back pocket for when you need it. And if you can't come up with anything, then what you need is a vacation. <laughs> you need to start making some new memories and things that you can call on when you need them, right? Uh, you know, a lot of people will say, well, my, my childhood was just filled with negative junk. So my answer to that is just, okay, so, you know, your cup, cup is half empty. <laughs> That's fine. Or you've chosen to fill that half-filled portion with just junk um we call it ego or you know that part of you that's just garbage and self-doubt comes from there and i would say every pessimistic thought that we have comes from ego <laughs> but uh, start filling up your cup daily with good self-talk people really don't realize the power in what they say and i hear people laugh so hard that they say that they're dying <laughs> have you ever had that like where you're you're laughing so hysterically and you're like oh my gosh i'm dying it's the worst thing you can ever say. So really counterproductive, honestly. You're full of so much joy that you're dying. <laughs> it's like, or, oh, this is killing me. Hmm. You know, maybe that hike will make you have a heart attack or you could be like, wow, that was so good. I can feel the toxins pouring out of my body. So which way, which way do you want to look at it? So do you want to just keep 
on using these expressions that are saying such negative things after doing positive experiences. It's like we're just finding our way to like cancel things out. I know that sounds crazy, but really start self-reflecting on when you talk and what you say. I always would say things like, oh my gosh, I'm dying. That is one that I just feel like I said so much. And now I, I even saying it right now for this podcast, I just I'm cringing. If you notice, I've been kind of like freezing up a little as I'm talking because I don't like saying those things. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Masaru Emoto. Um, I'm talking all about all my favorites today. I feel like I was mentioning before um, Anais Nin, and now I'm mentioning um, Emoto in his amazing book. But um, another one of just my absolute favorites, it's called The Hidden Messages in Water. So I will try my best to make sure it's up on my product page before you guys get this um, so you can find it for yourselves. It's a coffee table favorite for me, so much so that I've bought a couple <laughs> over the years. But it's a New York, best, uh, New York Times bestseller. And the reason I'm bringing it up is I'm holding it in my lap. I'm sorry if I'm flipping through pages here, but just because I love to look at it. It is on every page different pictures, not every page, there's a lot of words too actually, but the pictures are just my favorite part because it tells a story of its own. And it's talking about our words and the power of our words and everything I was just saying. But what he did was an experiment that literally shows it in a beautiful form of water crystals. So you're seeing these images of what happens in different parts of the country with certain words that we say. Um, different expressions in positive and negative and then looking at the difference. Whoa, it's mind-blowing. So cool. If you haven't seen it, you have to check it out. But the power in that, it makes you change yourself forever. I literally spent a whole year with, um, I had taped all of these positive words on my water bottles that I would drink. And I wouldn't drink the water unless it was like covered in all this positive stuff. But uh, I'll tell you right now, I never put my babies in onesies that said like, I'm out of control, or I'm a crazy animal, or whatever. I think I might've had some that said things about dirt magnets. And I pretty much did bring that on myself from doing that because my kids were pretty messy. But I was really careful not to have anything that was too negatively charged. And the reason being, it changes physical properties. And now we have evidence to show it. And how cool is that? So words do have power. And we've known this. We teach our kids this in the sense that, like, you know, sticks, to, sticks and stones may break my bones. Um, but, yeah, w words are so much more powerful. They really are. It's just when you can see how not only one person having positive thoughts, but then it shows how it compiles when you have several people all together. So if you ever get opportunities to do like group meditations, way more powerful when everybody all at once with this common positive vibe going out there, um, what it looks like. One of the most powerful things in the whole book was actually when people gathered around, I want to say it was a big body of water, like a pond. I mean, now we're, we're pulling back some memories from like a decade ago because I haven't really read it. I, as I said, I look at the pictures now because that just helps to reset me more than anything. But um, if I remember right, they were gathered around like a pond or something holding hands in prayer. And what you saw from that was just so much more powerful than anything. So I come back to there's just... There's only positive to be gained here uh, and just shifting not only what we do, but how we speak and how we think. I think you can really start to gain some good ground here on this topic. So some powerful lessons that I just want to make sure you take away from today is that 
the nervous system is plugged directly into your immune system and your body is just awesome. It can kill cancer. It can, it has the capability. After all, it's what created it in the first place, right? They're just cells. Those cells will die and you're gonna be replacing them with what, right? Decrease the cortisol, feel the joy, get your good hormones up and all the feel good stuff happening. You're in control of you. It's like you're the Wizard of Oz in your own Emerald City and you get to decide what your body's environment is. So make it great. We attract what we are, not what we want. So just be well, be happy, you know, plan for the future, but live in the now. It's so important. I talked last episode all about the shoulds. You don't want to have shoulds. You want to be doing all the great stuff. It's going to help to keep your vibrations high, which is going to attract in more of the really good stuff. That's what we need. We need to be attracting in positive vibrations. How do we do that? By putting out positive vibrations. Let the good stuff just flow back to you. It's way easier than, you know, as hard as we make everything. So I love the analogy of the whole river of life and you can't pick up and move a river, right? It's flowing, it's going where it's going and that's that, it, it just is. So what are we really in control of in that river of life? What we're in control of is what we're feeding into that river, right? If you start throwing pebbles in little by little, it's it's shifting, it's changing, it's not flowing in the same way that it was before. So what I really encourage you to do is just to feed it well. Be careful with what you're feeding it, right? Just remember that it's everybody's river and everyone's energy affects each other. And what it is that we're putting out into the world each and every day, it's going to change so many little channels and affect so many different people in a different way. You can do this in a really positive way or it can be a really negative impact. I know that the impression that I wanna leave on this earth and so I try my best to just you know, leave with a smile and see the best in people, compliment people when it comes to my mind and I see something beautiful about a person and not just keep it to myself. It always amazes me just how moved a person can be by just simple words of like, wow, that's a really beautiful shirt. Um, or anything like that, just the littlest compliment that can change somebody. So why hold on to that information and not share it with them? I mean, haven't you ever been somewhere and that one person comes into the room and just changes the entire vibe? And I mean, I've seen this on both ends of a beautiful change or a bad shift, but um, you know, I've been told I have a little bit of a bitchy look from people. <laughs> They'll say things to me that I'm just, uh, they're surprised. They don't think I'm going to be nice. And then when they come up to me, they'll end up saying, wow, you actually have really great energy. I didn't think that I was going to like you. <laughs> uh, now that's not a mark that I want to leave on the world, right? Um, so what I'm saying is that whether or not your resting face is um, a scowl or not, <laughs> <laughs> trying to be sure that the energy and vibration you're putting out there is positive is just, it's really important. And you don't want it to be the other way around that you're that person that when they come in, everybody sort of shuts down and their energy becomes less, you know? So <laughs> kind of takes me back again to that comment in the chart that the wife may not grasp the severity <laughs> thing again. Sorry, I just went down a little uh, memory lane there for a second, but anyway. If only a chart was a conversation, right? I would have 
like to have said back, not sure doctor grasps the possibility. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, sorry, a little sidetrack there. It just, when I think back to that, it was like, wow, you know, he's not sure if I'm grasping the severity. Well, I'm not so sure that, you know, this element of faith has fully sunken into to his day and it should because I've got to think as a practitioner I mean I know this because I I was a practitioner I'm not an acting practitioner anymore but boy I definitely saw miracles and I gotta think they do regularly as well so I'm surprised to hear things like that because it sounds like they've shut down to possibilities hopes faith all of it you know it was just that was really humorous <laughs> in hindsight maybe not humorous at the time for some people, they might just say that joy is too much to muster from where they're starting from right now, and that's totally fine and acceptable. I get it. Um, just start with gratitude. You know, start with something being grateful for anything. It doesn't matter if you, you know, your feet hit the ground in the morning and you walk to the bathroom, you should be grateful for that because not everybody has that gift. I can tell you, you know, we struggled as my husband passed because anything in the spine, I'm not sure how much you know about how the spine works, but little by little you lose that ability to stand up, to then to sit up tall, then to, you know, have bowel and bladder control and to breathe, you know, <laughs> these are things we take for granted every day. So just start with gratitude for stuff like that. I mean, some people will want to argue for this, you know, the sense of limitations and, um, and want to continue to say, no, it's, you know, I can't do that. You don't know my story. Well, regardless of your story, there's something to be grateful for if you're alive and breathing in here. So just, you know, change the way you talk and say thank you more. Start with that. And just by doing that, again, I, I talk about this whole reflection back um, a lot. But if you start putting out gratitude, you'll ha start having more to be grateful for, right? When we talk about like manifesting things, and um, I might just do a whole episode just on that um, manifesting and law of attraction and all that stuff because it's just so powerful. But when people say, I want X, I find it amazing that what they find in their future is wanting more X. <laughs> and they keep saying, why isn't manifesting working for me? I keep saying, I want this. Well, the problem is you keep saying, I want this and you keep getting more want in your life. Stop wanting. It's that simple, right? If you want to attract joy, be joy. Put out joy. If you want gratitude and people are never grateful for what you do for them at work and just look inside a little bit and see how often are you grateful for the amazing things in your life and just see what part you could be contributing. Your brain will shift then right into manifesting, right? Like a light switch and just instead of envisioning all of the resistance to the thing, the ego and the doubt, you're actually picturing the future you want. And then it's like that whole principles just lights right up, you know? So sometimes just shifting the wording of it. Um, I've heard people say this a lot, like what would it look like if... And then what happens is your brain will put the picture there. You know, what would my life look like if I had happiness every day or whatever? Well, suddenly the picture is rolling, right? Your mind is already thinking about what it would look like if. So to go with that, you know, we want to get 
your dopamine to come up, the good hormones, the positive ones, right? We want to get that up. We want to get the cortisol down. So what are we going to do here? What are we with the manifesting and how's this all coming together? Where am I going with this? Stop seeing yourself sick, right? The play on words is real here. Seeing yourself sick is an action phrase. You know, are you falling into that category? Are not only your actions, because, you know, that's a component of it, right? But your view on yourself. How are you seeing you? Are you sick? I mean, we change the way we speak, right? And as a society, we've even changed the way we speak. People used to say, like, a Down syndrome child. It was, like, really crazy. Now, you know, it's a child with Down syndrome, but we're putting the child first, right? So how do we see ourselves? Is sick what you are? Is that what you want to be? We're seeing ourselves sick. And when we talk about ourselves as, oh yeah, I, I've i had blah, blah, blah for so many years. You know, I'm a diabetic. I'm a this, I'm a that. Are you? Are you seeing yourself that way and that's why you are? Or are you really somebody who's just had some bad habits in your life and you can change them and you are the master, the wizard of Oz here, changing things for yourself into a better life. So, you know, just think about that. And I'll leave you with that since it's already been 45 minutes and I think this is a good place to wrap up. But in the end, we are a master of our thoughts. Our thoughts become things. We need all of that to be really good and really positive. Don't see yourself right into sickness. And don't let anybody tell you you're terminal. Don't let anybody give you the expiration date or tell you how long you have left on this earth. And and it's hard because once you've heard it, it's hard to erase it, right? It's so hard to take it back because once it's in the back of your mind, it's that little voice of ego. It's that little voice saying, eh, are you sure? And that's the part that can really take you down a path that you can't necessarily swim back upstream from, right? We're going to throw in the positive pebbles and we're going to see this world start turning into this positive thing we want to shape it into. But we, we just can't start letting other people's pebbles influence, you know, the way we're flowing, right? <laughs> what it that way? We can't let other people impact us in a way where we actually start seeing ourselves and feeling sick. And that, that can be a very real thing, like a placebo effect almost, right? Once you've been told that's it, that's it. And it's hard to tell your mind anything otherwise. That person in the white lab jacket who has the big degree just told me so, so therefore it is. Well, it's not. And I'm here to tell you it's not, and I'm holding space for that. So I am here for you, letting you know that if you've been told you're terminal, just stay hardline faithful. It doesn't mean that you're in denial. It means that you see the light. You know how possible your future is. And that's all I'm saying. It's hope, yes, but it's really the possibility and the faith and trust. So do that for yourself and, you know, cut yourself a little slack. (laughs) I want you to have a great day and I'm so grateful that you came and joined me today. I'm Heather and this is Simply Healed with Heather Leonard. Come back again, please. And thank you so much for joining. Bye guys.